Welcome again. My name is Pastor Bill. If I haven't had a chance to meet you and you snuck in late, uh, feel free to make yourself at home. There, there is no late here. There is just Jesus and coffee and goodies. Uh, we're starting uh, to, or actually we're continuing our series called Spiritual Conversations. Spiritual Conversations is designed to equip us to ask questions that don't sound all bible and weird people out that aren't familiar with Jesus, but that begin a conversation about spiritual things. Now, obviously, we know where that would lead for us, and we hope that that leads the same way for them. So we're equipping ourselves to ask questions that talk about things spiritual. And when we talk about things spiritual, it's helpful for us to have a ready answer, like, like it says in the scripture. So the ways that we've done this so far, we talked about vision casting, uh, which sounds positive, but it's actually a negative because I think we've taken vision and we've casted it off. And we talked about that last week. If you ever want to catch up with anything that we've done, it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, it's on our website, wordserve.org sermons. Today we're talking about peace, but it's got a question mark behind it. Next Sunday, what happens right here at 10 o'clock? You said that you, did, you had a cheat too. You didn't even need it. That's awesome, right? And then uh, we'll be talking about where you find strength. So the way this whole thing started is uh, we put out a series of questions. We had you ask your friends, and you gave us feedback. Thank you so much for those of you who gave us feedback. It's greatly appreciated. And the reason I wanted to do that is when we live in this world called WordServe or in the Christian faith, we tend to have a certain outlook on life, and we forget sometimes what it's like out there, right? So, uh, and the funny thing that I noted in many of the responses, and this is not a critique, it's an observation, in many of the responses that came back, you asked other believers in Christ. What I was actually after is people who don't know Christ or don't believe in Christ or maybe have been disenfranchised from Christ. Those are the people I was trying to reach, but hey, everybody deals with the same stuff. So what that tells me is, WordServe, we need to get out there and, and uh, like I said last week, meet some heathens, right? Uh, because it takes one to know one, and I am chief among you, I know some heathens, right? <laughs> so that's the goal. We want to make sure that we're relevant to the community around us. We want to make sure that we share this with people who don't know Christ. So today, we are talking about this issue of peace. Now, wouldn't it be nice to have a little peace? Who, who is in favor of having some peace? That's what I thought. I don't see any non-takers, right? So here's the thing that I notice about peace, and the answers that you all gave, many of them dealt with uh, quiet time. Some of them dealt with time with family, uh, and, like downtime kind of not trip to Disney. That's not peace. Uh, <laughs> that's time down with family. Um, some hobbies like, uh, that, that kind of take your mind off the world. Maybe that's music. Maybe that's model building. Uh, several of you mentioned time in nature. That's actually one of my favorites, uh, to just get out and, and go. I love the mountains. I love wandering until I'm lost and then trying to find my way back, right? So that's interesting to me. And uh, it creates kind of a dilemma for us as Christian believers in this world. And, and let me tell you why. Because while this looks wonderful, this is the world that we live in, Right? And it's so peaceful to get along with other people. Everybody's just on the same sheet. It's always like rainbows and unicorns, you know. No, it's not that way out there. Whether it's your family, whether it's your classroom, whether it's your workplace, whether it's your HOA, uh, you see a recurring theme? Uh, all these other things that crop up, they just, they don't lend themselves to that kind of peace, do they? And it's easy to get rocked off our sense of peace and that calmness and that stillness that comes in the quiet time. 
So this is the world that we live in, and here's why this is so interesting to me, because we have all this stress and anxiety, and yet in our ears we hear the words of Jesus, go and make disciples. So if we want peace and we want to go and make disciples, does that mean we can't have peace? Interesting question, isn't it? So here's the problem with all the, the stuff on the left side of the screen, the anxiety and stress. We are at an all-time high. I don't know if you're feeling this, but statistics tell us we're at an all-time high for stress and anxiety disorders in the United States, probably over the globe if I found a study large enough. They estimate, and, and this is from uh, the source I just forgot, but it's a source. I didn't make this up. <laughs> they estimate that from 1990 to present, there has been a 50% increase in diagnosed anxiety orders, disorders. 50% increase. Now, here's the interesting thing. 25% of that came as a result of or after COVID. So we've been building, 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 COVID hit, and we've got an instant spike. A 50% increase in diagnosed anxiety disorders. Now, it tells me one of two things. Either this world's getting crazier or we're just diagnosing more stuff. Uh, I don't know which it is, but I do sense that there is an increase in anxiety and stress. Anybody feel the same? Okay, so we're on the same sheet, good. But here's the challenge. I can't not go and make disciples if I'm a believer of Christ. So how do I take this peace that I desire and go and make disciples and convince others that there is a peace in following Christ? Because I can't give what I don't have. If I'm not at peace when I talk to these people, how am I gonna convince them that there's peace in Christ? It's going to be darn near impossible, right? Uh, and if I can do that, by the way, I'm running for office, right? Because I can convince, anyway, it's not funny when you have to explain it, right? All right. <laughs> all right, so how are we going to do this? This morning, we're going to define peace, first of all, because that was the first part of the question. How do you define peace? And if you look at the video beforehand, there's all kinds of wisdom and resilience. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps, uh, make your own way, um, uh, inner calm, meditation, empty your mind. And here's the interesting thing about all the meditative and relaxation techniques. They all talk about emptying, releasing, letting go. Here's the irony in Christian peace. It's about filling, not letting go. Filling, not emptying. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But before I get there, let's see the words of Jesus. Now, the context of this particular verse John chapters 14 through 16 and into 17, you're talking about the farewell discourse. This is Jesus knowing that he's about to leave his disciples, knowing that they are going to be in charge of the mission of making the world all the disciples, and he's about to leave. So he's imparting his final bits of wisdom. And I always say this is the richest piece of Jesus' words, because if you knew that you were about to go and you wanted to leave wisdom for your legacy, your kids, your grandkids, you would choose your words carefully, and they would be weighty. So these words are weighty. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Let's pick this apart a little bit, because there's a lot in this verse that I don't want you to miss. So underlined is peace. Peace I give you. Jesus' parting gift is peace. Now, 
Think about this for a minute. Go back before everything that you know about the resurrection and the crucifixion. Go back to when Jesus was popular in his ministry, had a following, had disciples that were arguing who's going to sit at the right and the left and all this. And ask yourself, if you knew that you were going to leave that, what parting gift would you give? Why didn't he give them strength? I think it's going to take a lot of strength. Why didn't he give them wisdom? Boy, the disciples could have used wisdom, and so could I. As one of my seminary professors often says, the disciples, because they just didn't get it, right? <laughs> Why didn't he give them wisdom? Why didn't he give them strength? No, his number one choice of what he's going to leave them is peace. Does that sound strange to anyone? That's not exactly how I would view, you know, that, you know what, we're going to conquer the world, so here, have some peace. Makes no sense. Yet, stay, stay with me. Peace I live you, my peace I give you. So apparently Jesus has a source of peace that we don't have. Jesus has a source of peace that this world does not have. How do you get it? It's a gift. He says so. But here's the interesting things about gifts. You can give someone a gift, but that doesn't mean they're going to unwrap it. And you can give someone a gift, but that doesn't mean that even if they unwrap it, they're going to use it. So basically, this gift that we have been given, we need to unwrap, unpack, and then we need to practice it. Otherwise, we will have the world's peace. And I think we can all agree that the world's peace is passing. It's fleeting. It's temporary. I don't care how good you are at meditating, breath exercises, relaxation techniques. At some point, that's going to fall short for you. And if it hasn't yet, it will. And if you have done this perfectly, let me know, because I want to know your secret. All right. So uh, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Obviously, Jesus has something different, but I circled the word hearts. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Why would he focus in on the heart? Uh, well, the heart is where everything happens for us. The heart is where we love, where we love Christ, specifically. The heart is the source of our courage. The heart is the source of our commitment. Do not let your hearts be troubled because Jesus knows what's coming. Further into his farewell discourse, he says this. Do you now, he's talking to the disciples, by the way. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Doesn't that fire you up? Doesn't that excite you? Jesus, not will overcome, has overcome. It's done. There is nothing more that he needs to do. That excites me. Let's pick this one apart a little bit here. Uh, going to the underlines, a time is coming when you will be scattered. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that as he asks them, will you not pray with me for one hour, that they will not be able to do it. He knows that when the, the guards take him off for the kangaroo court that he's about to face, that every one of his disciples will abandon him and leave him, despite all the things that he's poured into them. Now, if you're the leader of an organization and you have prepped 12 people specifically to take on this organization's charter and go out into the world and make disciples of Christ, and they all abandon you in your hour of greatest need, what are you thinking? I'm thinking fire from heaven. It's always about air power, right? <laughs> there we go. 
All right, but he's not thinking that. He's thinking, I'm prepping these guys for something way, way deeper. And by the way, we are those guys. He's prepping us for something deeper, too. Stay tuned. You will be scattered. If you come on down here, uh, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. See, if we look for peace out in the world, we'll find it temporarily. But if we look for peace in Jesus, it's a peace that never goes away. It's a peace that is a bedrock. It's a peace that we can stand firmly on. No matter what the world is doing around us, it doesn't matter. Because Jesus' peace is not of this world. This is bad news and good news. If you're looking for peace, you're not going to find it in this world. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. If you look for peace in Jesus, not only will you find it in this world, you'll find it into eternity. It's got no expiration date. Isn't that good news? Okay, everybody's excited about no expiration date. Good. We're pressing on. All right. In the world, you will have trouble. This is why I love Jesus so much. He doesn't say, hey, just believe in me. Everything's going to be rosy. You're going to have no needs, no challenges. Everybody's going to love your message. They're going to welcome you into your house, feed you, say, man, you are the best thing ever. No, they're not. They're going to persecute you. They're going to hate you. They're going to run you out of town. Oh, by the way, uh, y'all are going to die early deaths, except you, John. Sign me up. No, no, absolutely not. This is why I love Jesus, because he doesn't sugarcoat it. Every good leader should be able to tell the truth, and the truth is you're going to be scattered and you're going to have trouble in this world. He tells them that up front. Why? Because he wants them to understand what they're up against. He's not sugarcoating anything. I love that about Jesus. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Not will. Not maybe. Not it's still a battle. It's done. Now, the reason I say hearts is in, in two different passages in this farewell discourse. Remember, this is his pep speech to the disciples. This is what he wants to leave them with. In two different areas of this speech, he's talked about their hearts. Take heart. And let not your hearts be troubled. Because he knows what's coming. He knows that the heart is going to be the essential to them carrying on. How do I know this? How does he know this? Ask yourself, where did the risen Jesus find his disciples? In a locked room, afraid. Right? They, they had been through this whole thing, the crucifixion. They scattered. The, the tomb uh, was emptied on that third day, and he went looking for the disciples. And you know where he found them? In the, in the room behind a locked door, afraid. And i got to be honest with you. If I'm one of the disciples and I just saw that, I'd be afraid too. How many people have seen a crucifixion up close and personal? <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's gruesome. It's meant to be shameful and painful. It's the most painful, shameful death that you can imagine. And it's not just the crucifixion. It's everything else that happened before the crucifixion, the flogging, the mocking, the crown of thorns, all that stuff. I would be afraid too, to be honest with you. Now, if Jesus had left them there, we wouldn't be here today. We would never have heard this story. It would have just been another episode of history that maybe the History Channel covered at some point. But that's not what happens. See, Jesus knows that the, the peace that they need is an assurance. And here's the peace. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus died for our sins. That's paid for. Jesus has overcome the world. That's done. We now have a permanent 
bridge in our belief in Christ through eternity to be in his presence. Now, if that doesn't give you peace, I've got nothing for you. But it's not just peace in something that's in the future. It's the assurance right now that I have that. It's the assurance right now that I have the Holy Spirit that will remind me of everything that he said that will teach me as I go through my days. I have an assurance that this world cannot give. I have a peace that passes understanding. That's the peace that Christ gives. He found them in a locked room afraid, but he calls them out into the world. See, they had been settling for the peace that passes. The, the, the peace that passes comes and goes. What they needed was the peace that passes understanding. So hopefully I've made the case that Jesus' peace is different than the world's peace. Jesus' peace is worth pursuing. So the next question becomes, okay, Bill, how do I get that peace? So glad you asked. Here's how. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. We're going to pick this apart as well. This is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is Paul writing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pick this apart a little bit. Do not be anxious. Does that work for you? It doesn't work for me. It's like, hey, Jacob, don't be anxious. Good to go? All right, good. Good talk. Yeah. No, that doesn't work because you get out into that world, and, and just the fact that you said don't be anxious makes me think about being anxious. <laughs> right? Right? And so now I'm paranoid. Like, I can't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Now I'm anxious automatically. Do not be anxious does not help. And thank goodness he doesn't stop there. Do not be anxious. And then he gives a whole other list of things. By the way, that all start with B. Prayer, petition, what else? Peace, <laughs> present. There's lots of P's in there. I, I was hoping I had the old microphone because that would really ring, right? But no. So all these P's uh, come next. So by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God. That sound familiar? Not of this world. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. There's that word again hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So not only do we get courage, not only do we love Jesus all the more, but now we have a guard over that peace. And here's the best news of all. I'm not guarding it. It's not a human guard. It's Jesus guarding that peace, the peace of God. All I have to do is keep my eyes focused on him. All I have to do is believe. Now, that sounds really easy. And the concept is amazingly simple and amazingly hard to live out in this life. Because doesn't this life have a way of pulling you in? The information, the, the things that you hear, the things that you see, the things that are talked about around the water cooler. Those are the things that pull us away from that peace. That think, oh, it's all about this world. I, I, I've lost that connection to that eternal peace in Jesus. There are many, many voices that we hear but only one that we need to listen to. So guarding the hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, I think that is probably some of the best news of all. Now, why did Jesus come back and, and make this case is a great question. He wants us not only, and this is the first place, by the way, where we talk about the minds as well as the hearts. He wants us to not listen to all those voices. He wants us to focus 
take captive our thoughts. There's a difference between being passive and being proactive. Passive says, yeah, I'm going to take in the news, I'm going to take in what everybody's saying, and oh, I need to react to that because everybody else seems to be upset. Or I sense injustice here. That really makes me mad, so I'm just going to be unpeaceful. Well, that's one way to do it. That's very reactive. Can I offer a proactive suggestion that Paul agrees with, by the way? Here's the rest of that verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's that God of peace again. There's that presence. There's that peace that is not of this world. What he's telling us to do is to focus thoughts proactively on all of these things. What's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. Think on those things. And if you are constantly thinking on those things, there is no room in your head for all those other voices. Or if they do, they just kind of bounce in and out. Because we are so full of his spirit, so full of all the things that he gives us to be thankful for, if we will but look for them. And here's the interesting thing. We tend to see what we look for, do we not? So if we're looking for the negative, guess what? You're going to see it in spades. But if you're looking for all of these things, you can start to see them. And with God's help, with the Spirit's presence and prayer and petition, we can find a peace that passes understanding, the peace of God. And the God of peace will be with us. Is this not good news? I think it's fantastic news. So, why did Jesus do this? Why did he ask us to join this mission of making disciples with his disciples? Here's why. When Jesus looked down, he saw the crowds. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Another way to say that in context of today is they had no peace. They had anxiety. They had stress. They were leaderless. They had no way. Aren't we glad that we know the way, the truth, and the life? That's Jesus' motive. That should be our motive as well. So here's the action steps for today. They all start with P, and there's four of them. The first one is recognize the permanence of this peace. You're going to find yourself in circumstances, if you haven't, you will, where there seems to be no peace. I can't manufacture peace. My breath techniques, my tense and relaxed techniques, my sound machine, all that stuff is temporary and fleeting. There will be times when that fails. The peace of God never fails. That peace is always there, always available. All we have to do is tap into it. That's the challenge, not to make peace, to find peace. And we find it in one place. That's the other good news of this. You don't have to look through all these other techniques. You don't have to do all these things. We just need to look in one place. And I bet you can't guess where. Jesus. I was waiting for the Jesus answer. Yeah. So recognize the permanence of that peace. The second thing is think about those things that are praiseworthy. If, if you look for it, there are a lot of things that we can praise God about. How many people were worried that maybe the sun wouldn't come up today? How many breaths have you taken since you've been seated here and not even thought about it? 
Did you think about the right mix of that air? Is there enough oxygen and all the other stuff that's in that air so that it doesn't mess with our system? How many heartbeats have you had since you sat here? Have you counted? Have you cared? I guarantee you miss one, you'll notice. <laughs> but we don't even think about it. Why? Because we're not tuned to praise. And that's just the, the, the surface. Think about all the other things that we could find if we just would look for them. I hope my prayer this morning is that we would have eyes to see that. Because once we tap into that, there's always that avenue to the source of peace that passes understanding. The next thing is the prayer, and that is what I just said, the prayer. How often, and don't show me your hands, this is rhetorical, when you pray, how often do you seek God's face, not his hand? What do you mean, Bill? Well, when you seek God's hand, it's like, God, please do this for me. I got this thing I need you to fix. God, please give me, give me, give me from your hand. How often do we seek his face? God, I want to know you. I want to appreciate you. I want to see what you see. How often do we listen in prayer? I do a lot of talking in prayer because I got a list. I got to get through my list. How often do we stop and listen? Listen for that still, small voice that takes us to that place of peace. If this describes your prayer life, uh, you are in good company. Because I do it myself. I, yeah, Bill, you're a pastor. You should know better. You, you're right. I should know better. I'm also human. And sometimes my list is the most important thing in my agenda. And so I go, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me patience. Give it to me now. <laughs> right? Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're with me, right? But focus on that still small voice. Give time for him to answer back. Seek not just the hand. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with seeking the hand. I don't want to give you that impression. Yeah, I ask God to do things in accordance with his will. But take time to seek his face as well. Take time to get to know him, appreciate him, and love him. That's what the heart is for, and that's why the heart is so important. And then finally, this is a big one. you got to practice. How, how often did you think the band just came up here this morning and said, hey, I've never seen a guitar before. Let me give a crack at it. I guarantee you there are hours and hours and calluses and blood, sweat, and tears behind what you heard this morning. Did the vocalists just go, yeah, I'll just sing something? No, no, they sang according to the melody or the harmony. They practiced. Why should faith be any different? Why should peace be any different? God gives us lots of opportunities to practice peace. They're called annoyances, <laughs> right? You're standing in the, the grocery line behind that person that just can't seem to find the coupon that they're looking for. <laughs> There's your chance to practice peace. You're driving in Houston traffic. Well, that's all I need to say. There's your chance for peace. <laughs> you're dealing with the kid or the teacher or kids. You're dealing with your parents, and they just don't get it. There's your chance to practice peace. Here's the, the thing. We have multiple opportunities to practice this peace that passes understanding. There should be no reason that we don't have lots of practice and we're not expert at it. The only reason is we're not looking for it. We're looking for the peace of this world, the peace that passes, not the peace that passes understanding. So practice makes perfect. Let me give you one example here. How hard is this thing 
that we call sharing the gospel because that's what we, I, I think we don't have a lot of peace about. I don't really know how to talk to people about Jesus. I don't really want to invite them to church because that pastor's weird, which is true, but it doesn't matter. Jesus is still Jesus. Here's some statistics I did find from LifeWay Research in 2016. The numbers have probably changed a little bit, but here we go. Did you know that 79% of people in the population of America do not mind hearing about your faith? That's pretty good. 79% will be willing to have the spiritual conversation that we're talking about. Your chance to offer them that same peace that we have. 51% would attend church if invited. Ouch, that kind of hurts. Yeah, they would go. They just never received an invitation. Well, who's going to invite them? Are we going to rely on our e-news? Are we going to rely on a QR code? Or are we going to trust that we can talk to people? And if we have that deep sense of peace, we can say, hey, this has changed my life. And by the way, if you have a story where Jesus has changed your life, where this peace has made such a difference in your life, I would love to hear that, and I would love to share that with basically everybody. You don't have to stand up in front of them. Just talk to me. I'll tell your story for you. Or if you like to stand up in front of people, knock yourself out. Y'all are tired of hearing of me. I would love to hear from you. All right, so 51% would attend church if invited. That ought to tell us something. Let's invite some people. Don't say no for them. Right, there, there's our mantra. Don't say no for somebody. Let them say no. Well, we got to ask. 35%, this is what really hurts. 35% have never had the Christian faith explained to them. What happened to go and make disciples, teaching, baptizing? Man, uh, church, we're falling down on the, our great commission. Not, not one of many missions. It is the mission. Go and make disciples of all the earth, teaching and baptizing in my name. Church, we're missing it. 35% have never heard this story. This is in America. This is not in some dark region that is unexplored in the world. I imagine that that number has increased since 2016 because people have tuned it out or people don't care. What a great opportunity for us. What great job security for those who go and make disciples. There will never be a shortage of need for us. Here's the last statistic. 20% just aren't interested. So if I'm hearing this right, I'm basing my not talking about Christ on 20% of the population when the other almost 80% don't mind hearing about it. And 50% would come if I invited them. I think I'm playing the odds on the wrong side. Is that not true? So let's not be that guy or that girl. Let's talk. But first, let's find peace because this is the real reality that we live in. There's a lot of anxiety out there. That's not going away anytime soon. What we need to remember is that there is a sense of permanent peace, peace that passes understanding, peace that will guard our hearts and minds if we will allow it to. But it takes proactivity on our part. Don't be sucked into the world. Don't be reactive to things around us. Stay focused. Focused on Christ. And I think it was said very well by some individual. <laughs> the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If I were to sum this sermon up, I would quote a very wise Savior when he said, let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. In this world, you will encounter trouble. 
but take heart. I have overcome the world. Wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of peace? Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the peace that passes understanding, but in all honesty, it is hard for us to understand. We're not wired like we should be. We don't listen like we should. God, forgive us for that. And we live in a world that you're very familiar with. Your son, Jesus Christ, is familiar with. Many voices, many voices of dissent, many voices of hatred, many voices that would distract us. God, my prayer this morning is that we would become deaf to all of them, except for the still small voice. That we would not ignore the cry of the needy, but focus on the call of the Savior. God, remind us that this peace is permanent. It's not something that we have to manufacture. It's something that you have already done, past tense. It is available, present tense. And in belief in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and rose from the grave, it is future tense, available into eternity. God, help us to rejoice and celebrate in that this morning, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.